Luke's English Podcast only exists thanks to support from my listeners in the form of donations. Thank you very much if you've sent one to the show. You are a wonderful human being, and I sincerely appreciate it. And I appreciate you generally as a person, too, for your contribution, not just to the podcast, but to life on Earth. You're making the world a better place. Thank you on the behalf of everyone. Um, So support from donations... Uh, from listeners, but also the podcast is made possible thanks to support from my sponsors. For this episode, I'm talking about italki. That's the service that can provide you with a one-to-one teacher to improve your English. They've got lots of qualified teachers. If you need to get one-to-one lessons for any particular purpose, like, for example, if you've got an exam coming up or you need some some practice for negotiation at work or if you want to improve your business English skills or just generally if you just want to get some regular uh, conversations or lessons into your uh, like weekly life, you can do that with italki. They've got loads of teachers to choose from. It's all done online, so you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can do it based on your own schedule. Uh, it's all very adaptive to your specific needs and your situation. And remember that when you use my special URL, you can get a free lesson from italki. To get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast. Today, I'm talking to Cara Leopold, who's an English teacher from the UK living in France, like me. Cara is an online teacher who has her own podcast and various other resources for learners of English on her website, which is uh, leo-listening.com. One of the main things she focuses on is learning English through listening, especially using TV and films as a resource. She's got some tips to share on that subject, many of which come from her personal experiences of learning French. So I'd like to talk to her about that. But first of all, I'd like to just get to know Cara a bit because we've never actually spoken before. So listeners, instead of hearing me talking to someone I already know, which is the way it normally goes on this podcast, you can now hear me having a conversation with someone I haven't actually met before. Um, And you can hear how that might happen in English. And let's start right now because Cara is, uh, well, not with me in person, but um, uh, we're, we're talking on Skype now. Hi, Cara. How are you doing? Hi, Luke. I'm all right. How are you? Very well, thank you. So you're in France. I'm in France too. Yeah. Um, but you're not in Paris. Whereabouts are you? Yeah, so I live in a city called Besançon. So big shout out to everybody from <laughs> Besançon who's listening, or like two of you. Um, so that's a city. It is basically um, an hour from the Swiss border. It's like an hour from Dijon and an hour from or an hour and a half from Lausanne in Switzerland. So it's kind of in between, I like to describe it as being in between Mustard Town, which is Dijon, and Olympic Town, which is Lausanne. I so it's see. kind of in between those two. Um, and it's only really a couple of hours from Paris, actually, with the TGV, because the trains in France are so fast. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not a million miles away, um, but it's not very well known. Yes, so. It's a small town. Is it a it's, large town? Or? It's the 34th city in France. 
it's number it? 30, it's number 34 on the charts i think yeah my my partner keeps telling me that number 34 cara <laughs> and it's because it's like 120,000 people i think oh, okay and so it's pretty respectable it's not like you know like leon leon is like a million isn't yes. it then yeah. paris is 10 million um right i guess it so, goes it goes like paris then marseille i think uh, then probably yeah. I don't know what Toulouse, Lyon, um, Montpellier. Yes, yeah, like something like that. Yeah, um, but there aren't that many like really big cities in France, are there? Because there's only really like Paris is massive, and then Marseille is quite big, mm-hmm. um, and then it's just kind of like medium-sized cities. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Okay, it's raining here at the at this moment as we speak. Is it raining there too? It's not actually, it's actually like, it's kind of sunny, kind of like cloudy and sunny at the same time, kind of hazy, hazy sunshine. Um, And it's actually been really nice this weekend, which is odd because actually we're pretty much one of the coldest places because that whole kind of northeastern kind of bit of France, like Strasbourg and all that, Mm. it always gets, it's always like the coldest place on the map. Mm. So it's nice like when it's actually warmer here (laughs) than than, um, Paris or wherever. So yeah we we often just get stinking horrible rain in paris i have to say I, yeah it's more like being in britain right oh yeah totally and i've said on this podcast before probably in the beginning of a conversation with someone where i've asked them how the weather is where they are because i need to know how the weather is before i ha- have a the rest of a conversation with anyone. oh well i i wouldn't have continued until you had asked me that question yeah exactly yeah it's really important it's crucial so yes i have established this before that paris the weather in paris is not dissimilar to the weather in london but london's the (laughs) Mm -hmm. one who gets the bad reputation for some reason yeah i get really i get fed up with a lot of things right Um, a lot of sort of stereotypical assumptions Mm. um and yeah the the weather is annoying because it does depend on where you are in the uk like i mean i grew up in scotland so i mean in scotland obviously it's colder. It's significantly colder than in England because mm. I've lived in England. And, you know, when it rains, the rain is horizontal. And, like, what I like about here is, in fact, Besançon is actually one of the wettest places, apparently, in France, even though we have, like, a continental climate. So it gets, like, really hot in summer, really cold in winter. Mm. Um, but when it rains here, like, it kind of, it just rains for the whole day and the rain is vertical. So I find it a lot easier to deal with than like, you know, it's not like in Scotland where you go out, it's raining really hard and it's like really windy and you can't even put up an umbrella because, yeah, horizontal uh, rain. Horizontal rain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, That's I mean... the, the proper meteor, meteorological term. Is that the word? Meteorological term. Meteor- yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't, they, they don't actually say that on the weather forecast, I think. I mean, I'd, I'd, I never got to see uh, BBC Scotland, but certainly on the BBC in England, they would never actually mention horizontal rain. Um, but it is, a, it is a thing that actually happens uh, probably more often in Scotland than in England. When I was growing up, when I was growing up in the Midlands of England, we used to get horizontal rain sometimes as well. And it was horrible to go running uh, in, in like PE and sports class at school. We had to go running even in the winter and, and we'd run around uh, the field, the local field mm. next to the school. And it was, I mean, this is back in the 80s. And it sounds like it's something from a kind of a Ken Loach film or something when you look back on it, like a realistic sort of gritty British drama about, uh, you know, the tough life of a British school 
child but we we had to in the middle of winter run around the field and we were told you know we were being shouted at by strict PE teachers and there would, everyone would be running around just wearing these tiny little shorts and vests in the middle of winter in horizontal rain or possibly sleet or or snow mm. or something and so that's my memory of of um, PE class in winter at school with some horizontal rain but it it wasn't every week but there was always there would always be one or two lessons of PE in the year when you'd have a bit of horizontal rain a, a, ho- a horizontal shower yeah um, but it's a it's it's i guess more of a thing in Scotland i think so yeah definitely there's just more more wind more <laughs> more rain where where did you grow up then if you if you grew up in the midlands well, actually, the first sort of nine years of my life was spent in London, in, in West London, in Ealing. But then uh, right. when, I, when I was nine, we moved to Solihull, Warwickshire. Uh, ah, okay. West Midlands. Mm. Okay, that's really funny because, yeah, like I, so when I was little, like I was born in Scotland and I, that's where I lived when I was a kid. But when I was 11, mm. 11, nearly 12, we moved to Nottingham. So oh, that's yeah. like the, the East Midlands. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're like our nemesis. Just on the, the yeah, exactly <laughs> on the other side of Birmingham, there are different definitions of what is in the north and what's in the south. I think growing up in the West Midlands, I mean, I was kind of uh, you know Solihull, Warwickshire. It's not that far from places like Oxford or Gloucester. It's not, is it? Yeah. Whereas, like some people say. I don't know how official this is that Nottingham is the start of the north. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, yes. Well, which I can... different different uh, definitions. If you live in London, then you know, like the M25 motorway uh, is the start of the north for some people living in London, or, or Watford, <laughs> like a town just north of London, is any any. If people who've lived their entire lives in London, you know, they consider like North London to be the north. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they they're so London centric. But um, yeah, there are different definitions. Some people say it's you know the it's Watford. Other people might say yeah Nottingham or Birmingham or or other things like that. Okay. So okay, Scotland for for um, the first sort of ten fifteen years of your life, and then yeah, and then like yeah, I think it, yeah, it was just it was just before my twelfth birthday that we moved down. So it's right. kind of like. Um, yeah it's like a third of my life in every single place because like I've I've been in France since I was 22 and um, it's almost been 11 years and then I was in England for 11 years so it's like I have to move every (laughs) every 11 years (laughs) slightly further south each time yeah 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 that would be I'd have to go to like Italy next or something Mm -hmm. Um, got no plans to do that (laughs) and then then you'll have to go to like I don't know where where Tunisia um, yeah somewhere <laughs> <laughs> eventually when you retire you'll, you'll retire in in new zealand at the end of of the whole process <laughs> the whole process of this every move every 11 years no i I'm, I'm i'm happy where i am i'm gonna i'm gonna stay put really you're gonna you're gonna stay in france then is that the plan um i think so i don't have there's no there's no like <laughs> there's no like reason to move back to the uk um that just wouldn't make much sense because the rain is horizontal and um you know i'm far too used to vertical rain now to honestly the weather is an issue so even though i live somewhere that's considered as a cold part of france where the weather isn't that good it's far 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 superior to Mm. um a lot of the weather most of the time in the uk so you know there's no competition it's (laughs) you know Yeah. yeah i agree yeah 
it makes total sense. So you you work as a English teacher here, right? Yeah, well, like I've done sort of different things um, in like the ten, almost eleven years I've been here. But yeah, like it's been like mostly English teaching mm-hmm. um, most of the time. Yeah, and a couple of years ago, I started playing around with taking that online, um, and so yeah, that's kind of my main thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And your website. Um, how do you say your website? Because uh, it can be quite difficult to to say uh, web addresses to With, people who are learning English, right? Yeah, and like number one rookie mistake if you're creating your own website is do not type two separate words because then you will get a hyphen in the middle of the two words. So that's what happened. I had no idea that that would happen. So like my, my website is it's yeah Leo. So like leopold do you get it l-e-o and then there's a hyphen which is um yeah french people talk about the number six hyphen because on a french keyboard it's the um, it's not the underscore it's the hyphen Mm -hmm. it's like the one in the middle and then um listening like listening yeah yeah (laughs) like the thing that you do with your ears yeah okay um (laughs) dot com yeah Okay. All right. So Leo hyphen or Leo dash uh, listening dot Yeah, you said dash. I, yeah, I don't know what the. Yeah, I should probably, probably just make it all one word one day, but never mind. Well, there, you know, there are two words for it, so it's either hyphen or dash. But um, you know, I, I end up having to say both words because sometimes, you know, as an English teacher, I do have to teach my students the different names of different bits of punctuation. Yeah, that's important. It's important to know. Um, what they are yeah. so yeah especially when you are having to say email addresses or, or mm. web addresses so dash as you said or hyphen is the one in the middle and then underscore is the the one at the bottom the line at the bottom so the line at the bottom yeah yours is leo-listening.com so what's so, the, yeah what, what's the sort of the main thing that you do um on leo uh dash listening <laughs> um well the main the main thing the main thing has been almost going on a year now is i kind of um switched my focus to really really focusing on helping people um kind of rekindle uh their love of films and tv series in english by getting rid of the subtitles mm-hmm. um because um i really love watching tv series um i feel that we're living in a, we're still living in like a golden age for tv so like nowadays tv series are so good that you can watch like two episodes back to back of say Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. And it's kind of almost like you've just watched a film Mm -hmm. because it's that good. So for me, like it seems a shame to have to like spend the time that you're watching these series, kind of like reading subtitles because you should actually just be like enjoying the whole atmosphere, um, actually watching what's happening, like watching the characters, um, taking in all that information rather than having to read the dialogue um in the subtitles so right, right yeah it's kind of a mission is to help people get rid of them if they want to i mean if you're not bothered yeah. <laughs> then you know carry on. carry on doing what you're doing yeah or if you hate tv like sometimes people say to me why well, don't watch tv well i'm like good for you listen to something else <laughs> you know i'm not going to force i'm not going to force you to to watch you know back-to-back episodes of whatever series yeah. um yeah. But you've you've so you've chosen to yeah to focus on helping people to um like uh, watch TV or films without relying on subtitles as yeah. a, as a way of um improving their English. Well, I don't know if 
it's so much about English improvement as it is about kind of like improving like the viewing experience. And like, obviously, a side benefit is that your English like will improve because, you know, with my students, we try and figure out, well, you know, what is it that's going wrong? What is it you're not catching? Mm -hmm. And obviously, sometimes it is a question of new words and expressions sometimes, but not all the time. Um, People can get a bit obsessed like um, about you know, new, there's new words, there's slang, there's this and that. And it, yeah. often it's not actually, there isn't actually that big a proportion of new stuff. And sometimes some of it you don't really need to worry about. So obviously people do get like English improvement off the back of it. But often the people I'm working with, like their English is already really, really good. They're mm-hmm. just like feeling bad about needing the subtitles. But it is hard watching films and TV shows. Like it is, like I talk to people, they can understand me perfectly. They can understand podcasts. They can understand all kinds of things, but they really um, kind of hit a wall with TV shows and films just because they're just the trickiest things. I think sometimes to understand. It's very interesting because um, uh, one of the things that people always say um, mm. when talking about how to improve uh, their English skills you yeah. Know, like, you're like, how do you how do you improve your English? What do you do? One of the things that people always say is, well, watch lots of films, watch lots mm. of uh, TV series in English. Okay, so it is a it is a very 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 common way for people to work on their English. Um, oh yeah, to, for to, sure. To watch TV and films, um, but the the yeah the question is like you know do you put the subtitles on? Do you do you put them off or or, or whatever? So um, so just. Um, so yeah, what's your whole story on this? Because you, this kind of comes from your experiences of learning French using French TV and, and films, isn't that right? Yeah, well, because like that didn't really work out very well for me, and like, because um, I was like, well, I feel like I'm a million years old. I'm not really, um, but you know, when I was learning French, like mm-hmm. we're sort of like pre YouTube or just the beginnings of YouTube. Yeah. Um, don't have smartphones. If you want to go on the internet, you have to switch on like a desktop computer, like and let, wait for it to kind of whir up yes. and connect to the internet. So like you can't just like hop on um, the internet. Like I used to listen to like long wave radio from the UK. Like I used to tune in the radio really? to like pick up. You know, it's like I feel like my granddad or something. Like it's. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, like you're, like it's some sort of World War Two situation when you're just like <laughs> receiving information from Britain. Come in, Britain. Is that you, Britain? With like you with a radio? Yeah. No, honestly, that's what it was. That that was that was what it was like in the Internet 1.0 era. Yeah, which is not that long ago. It's, it's only a few years ago. ago. Um, yeah, so I used to do stuff like that. And then like the only place for French films, like I could go to, we had like a kind of RT cinema in Nottingham that you could go to, to see French films. But I think, well, not, I think obviously like the subtitles were in English because mm-hmm. it wasn't like super pretentious. Like <laughs> if you want to see this film, you have to know, like be able to read French as well. Yeah. Um, no, the subtitles were in English. Um, and you know, and I couldn't just close my eyes and pretend there were no subtitles right? because I couldn't understand enough. And the other thing I would do, I used to go to the, the library, like the library in our town and like borrow the films that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't necessarily have a very good selection. And like, I was like borrowing like VHS <laughs> cassettes. Yes. Oh my God. I feel like it was 10 million years ago. It's really, it's mad how life has um, evolved. True, in, the, in the last few years it's crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think about like one of my cousins, her, her oldest kid was born in 2002. So like the things that I'm talking about, they just, he's just not going to understand like what's a VHS cassette. What's right. that? Just completely um, irrelevant to him. Anyway. So yeah, so I used to borrow cassettes and the thing is the what thing that's good about DVDs is that you've got like different subtitling options and you can even like put on the sort of hard of hearing subtitles mm. in the target language. Whereas with cassettes, like you just, you can't do anything. Like, so if there are no subtitles, it's just like, well, good luck. Yeah. Um, so that I would watch films, but then I would kind of like get to the end and be a bit like, well, not a hundred percent sure if I knew what was going on the whole time. Mm. Um, and you know, the thing is, then you don't actually know what you missed. This yeah. is a thing, and this is where the subtitles can actually come in handy because it's a way to check. Um, you know, if you put them on after, for instance, then you can go back and be like, ah, okay, so this is what I missed, or this is interesting because I thought I heard this, and in fact, it's something else. Mm-hmm. Because one of the biggest problems when you're learning a language is that often you know a lot of words and expressions in the written form, but you don't know how they sound when they're spoken. And sometimes you can mistake them for other things, especially in French, actually, where um, there's a lot of like homophones and homonyms and Mm. a lot of words sound the same. Entire phrases actually can sound the same, mean something completely different. Yes. um, there's all kinds of examples like that. And uh, like, that's often a bigger problem than new vocabulary. Like it's not at constantly adding to your vocabulary. That's going to necessarily save you here. Mm-hmm. You need to know how, how the most important words sound, how they can change in, in speech. That's more of a, you know, that's more important than I think than always cramming in new words, which isn't necessarily like a good use of your time. Right. Right. So, so, so then, right, having rented or borrowed these VHSs or, or um, having sort of seen the films that you yeah. were watching and uh, without subtitles, you, you'd, you'd realise that you hadn't really, you, you can't really say which like bits of language you'd heard and you felt like you missed a lot of things. Yeah, that's that, it. Like, isn't, that, isn't that a case for, for putting the subtitles on though? Just, uh, you know. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I have no problem. Yeah. This is, cause I don't really get the debates. Like some people say, should you put them on or switch them off? And for me, that's kind of irrelevant because, um, you can, you know, they are a useful tool to help you. Yes. So like, again, when I'm working with my students, I'm not like, just sit down and watch it without the subtitles until you get it. Like, I'm not like a psycho, um, you know, I'm not like a tough, tough love kind of, um, but you know, what, what we're trying to figure out is how much can they understand without them? And then we're going in and we're figuring out, okay, so what did you miss? Which bits were difficult? Why were they difficult? Mm. And now you're watching with the subtitles. Let me know which bits are still difficult. Cause what's frustrating as well is sometimes even when you put the subtitles on, you still don't quite catch you know, mm. that particular section. So that gives us some, um, that lets us know kind of what we need to work on further. So is that, is that a piece of advice then that you can give to my listeners? Would it, would it be, um, watch it, you know, watch something without subtitles first and then watch it with subtitles later so that you can kind of go, ah, that's what it was. Yeah, kind of have your aha moments. Yeah, because like when, what I tend to get my students to do is kind of like, you know, watch the clip. We're, we're working mostly with clips, right? We're not sitting down to watch a two-hour film. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing is we're just working on short sections and, you know, they're kind of watching it, figuring out how much they understand, you know, telling me how difficult they felt it was. Um, so you can do that. 
try it at home you can um you know kind of rate yourself with a percentage like how much you understood and then afterwards what we often do with my students is we kind of go in and I pick some sections that I know will be difficult for them mm-hmm. and I kind of get them to transcribe them and then that way I can actually we can then compare what they caught with the actual subtitle version and then that's where they start kind of having aha moments where they're like, ah, so that's what that word was. I know that word, but I heard it as this. Or, oh, I had no idea he was saying that. Or, oh, my God, did he really say that? Because I heard something completely different. Or this isn't, I do not know this word. Like, what the heck, what is this? Yes. So that's when we start actually learning something. Because the problem is, if you just kind of sat there in front of your film like, it feels good, doesn't it? Because, like, mm. it's fun, isn't it, to just sit in front of a film and you can just kind of vegetate in front of it when it's your own language because yeah. everything works automatically. But when it's a foreign language, like, obviously there's loads of stuff that you're just going to miss, not not only because of listening issues, but also just because of cultural things. There's going to be cultural things you're going to miss. Um, and that's just that's just the way it is, like... Um, you know, I try, again, I've, I've helped my students with this. Like, it's like, look, if they mention like an American baseball player from the 1950s, I'm not going to know who it is and you're not going to know who it is. And it's fine. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you kind of miss a couple of jokes because you don't know some kind of obscure reference from American sporting culture or something. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just giving that as an example off the top of my head. But, so, you know, some things it's kind of like it's not your fault. Like, yeah. You don't feel guilty about stuff that you, you know, if you're because most of my students, they don't live in English speaking countries like they have a really good level, but they don't like they haven't grown up. They haven't spent time in English speaking countries. So, like, you know, I can't blame them if they don't know, like all the references to all the celebrities, all the other TV shows, all the other films and all this because it's just normal that you wouldn't know it right so like, sort of don't don't get hung up on uh, all of the specific cultural references if yeah i yeah. guess i guess um you know people have to be a bit um tolerant of certain references and not being able to understand certain things that's that's another thing isn't it that uh, mm-hmm. if you're going to like consume films and tv shows in english then you will have to accept uh, a certain amount of ambiguity or a certain amount of stuff that you don't really understand so you know you've got to just carry on exactly be willing to let it go but like don't get into the thing of like oh well I just understood 50% and I'm just gonna like you know get the gist and like do work on your listening skills train your ears um, use the subtitles to help you with that try writing bits out compare them with the subtitles Mm -hmm. try kind of repeating bits all this kind of stuff that's going to reinforce your listening but like yeah don't worry about everything and that's why I say to people like usually if you can kind of get to the point where you can kind of catch like 80 percent Eight yes. zero, not eighteen eighty. <laughs> um, that's usually like that's kind of the sweet spot where you can like you can take the subtitles off and you can kind of just watch and enjoy it. And there will be twenty percent that you you know you're probably going to miss, but just like don't don't worry about that twenty percent because mm. it's not it's usually not worth the effort, especially if it's cultural references. You're going to be like, right, I'm going to put the subtitles on, I'm going to stop at every single cultural reference, and I'm going to go onto Wikipedia and I'm going to check the name <laughs> of that person, and I'm going to do research. And you know, you're just gonna it's going to take you six hours to watch a film, yeah, and you're going to just be really depressed at the end, and you're not going to remember any of it anyway. So, you know, just <laughs> chill out about 
you know, worry about what you can control, not what you can't control. Right, right, um, right. So, so for my listeners who might, you know, decide this week that they're going to start watching a certain TV series or they're going to, you know, sign up to Netflix and start watching mm. some stuff in English or that they've got a film in English that they've been meaning to watch for a while. Um, I mean, and they're, they're about to sit down and start watching it. What would you advise for them then? I mean, so if, if they're watching a whole... A whole film or a whole series. Well, or, 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 you know, either they've got like the, the DVD that's been on the table for a while and it's like, oh, let's watch this tonight. Or they've got in their mind, they, you know, they want to watch um, um, uh, The Crown or something. Let's say, you know, this Netflix yeah. show about the royal family. Let's say they've, they've heard people talking about it and they're like, okay, let's watch The Crown and we can watch it in English. That's going to be good for us. And then, you know, they, they're about to sit down and they've got to make certain little decisions like, for example, like, shall I put the subtitles on or not? Mm. And uh, how many times am I going to watch this? Am I going to be able to just watch it like I can watch a show in my yeah. first language? So what, what are the sort of bits of advice that, you, that they would need to know bef- uh, to help them to plan their watching experience? Okay, so there's a few things you can do. So if you're sitting down to watch like a film or a new series, what you can do just to make your life a little bit easier is to, um, so if you've got a DVD, read the back of the DVD, like read the kind of little plot summary. Mm. Um, And the same thing, I imagine when you log into Netflix, you can kind of see a summary of the show. And, you know, what you want to just kind of get is kind of that gist of what's going to happen. And then also some basic things like what are the main characters' names? Because names can be confusing uh, in a foreign language, like, or you don't even realize that something is a name. Mm -hmm. So have a look at that kind of thing. Maybe you can go onto a website like IMDB, which is the internet movie database and have a look at, you know, um, you'll get reviews of the show, things like that. Often Wikipedia pages for films and shows have like really, really detailed information. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is sometimes they have like kind of like the full plot summary of a film, including the ending. So just be careful not to read, like don't spoil the film for yourself yeah. um, by kind of reading too much. Um, so yeah, go, uh, or maybe like you could go and watch the trailer on YouTube or um, maybe watch a, there are lots of movie review channels on YouTube um, or you could watch some clips from the film, whatever. So you kind of um, get a bit of information beforehand. Yes. You know, um, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Right. You're not going to. You're not going to fail. But I mean, just <laughs> just like just like kind of cheat a little bit. Like just get some background info before you kind of jump in. Mm. I mean, you might. They might fail. I mean, I I would say that if they start watching it and they don't enjoy it and they stop watching and they feel a bit bad about their English, then that well, I would consider that to be a failure. Yeah, that would be worse. Yeah, and I think afterwards it's going to depend on how you're feeling and where you're at with your listening and kind of because if you get home and you're really tired right and you just kind of want to stick on a series or something to relax yeah then probably in that case i would put the subtitles on mm-hmm. but do you know what i mean it's not like a hard and fast rule because yeah. another thing you can do is one of my friends um she recommended this to me actually my friend elfin um is to like you put the subtitles on for a bit and then you switch them off for a bit so like it's totally arbitrary right so you might yeah. say that like, i'm gonna watch five minutes with subtitles and then five minutes without so you kind of alternate and then the idea is that probably during the scenes with subtitles like there's enough extra help that you're able to kind of catch mm-hmm. like piece together the whole episode mm-hmm. yeah. and then in the scenes without subtitles then what you're doing is you're re- relying more on your ears you're watching the characters you're watching their lip movements their gestures you're using kind of the um, 
the scenery, stuff like this to kind of give you clues as to what's going on. So you can kind of alternate. And that I think that's a, better, a good strategy for films, actually, um, given given how long they might be. And then the other thing you can do is you could put you could put the subtitles on. You could watch the whole thing. Right. And then you could watch it again without. Yeah. Because. Yeah, so there's 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 quite a lot of options there. Um, I think I think also, I mean, a lot of films really reward multiple viewings. Yes, very true. You know, they get better and better the more you watch them. Some, I mean, not all films. Some get not worse and worse as you realise how bad they are. But some films, I mean, um, you must be like me, I guess, if you watch you know a lot of films and stuff. That there must be some films that you do go back to again and again. Um, and it, it may be the case that people have seen some of those films in their, uh, you know, dubbed into their first language or maybe with, True, uh, yeah. with if it's French, let's say, French uh, subtitles and they've enjoyed them. They could go back and revisit those films and that's yeah. a chance to um, check out those films again with English subtitles and then with no subtitles at all. And, mm. you know, just um, it can be a fun way to, you know, enjoy a film again and again. And you're really yeah. sort of doubling up on the value, the language learning value as well by kind of gradually taking the support away from yourself and then eventually just mm. watching the film again and again with no subtitles. Yeah, once you're, yeah, that's a great point, actually, that whole idea of familiarity. That, I mean, that's why I tend to kind of recommend series mm-hmm. kind of lend themselves better for doing the work to get rid of the subtitles because... Um, you you know you're watching it week to week well i suppose nowadays you can watch the whole series in one night if you really want but i mean if you kind of space it out and you're watching it regularly you're seeing the same characters every week they're saying the same things every you know very often the language is quite repetitive or predictable in 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 certain series um and uh yeah whereas with films yeah definitely go with yeah go with something you've already seen dubbed or that you that you're familiar with in some way um, maybe it's the sequel to something you've already seen and then it's kind of like less of a shock because I find that often when I watch I don't know how if you notice this sometimes when I start watching a film like I am totally lost yeah. like it's t- like 10-15 minutes and I'm like what the hell is going yeah. you know I'm like what's going on who's this what are yeah. they talking about and you know and it's in English yeah most um, most films I, I have no idea what's going on uh, if I'm completely honest with you I mean okay not most films but a lot of films are <laughs> <laughs> okay no films no no I'm joking uh, I often go to the cinema, particularly in the cinema. I'm sort of okay mm. at home. I don't know why, but in the cinema, maybe it's because I'm like, God, the screen's huge, isn't it? Oh, yeah. God, I don't understand. It's too big. Um, These seats are comfy. Oh, yeah. Um, too many um, distractions. Yeah. But no, I do find that, especially if they're complicated, serious, like Oscar, mm-hmm. Oscar winning movies or you know, the, the kind of um, Coen Brothers films or, or things like mm. that. Um, I often will find I don't have any idea what's going on because I think, you know, people watch films in different ways and often when I'm watching a film, especially in the cinema, I am sort of engrossed in the visuals and I'm yeah. just looking mm. at the actors and I'm just sort of observing the performances of the actors and the way that they behave and the way they move and the way that they are um, saying their lines rather than focusing on the complexities of the plot so i think it's Mm. it's very very common to you know be confused by films and not really understand there's you know it's it's part normal part of the cinema going experience to be slightly (laughs) bewildered by by the plot of the film and that's part of the enjoyment of like wow that was a spectacle 
Well, I suppose, like, and most directors, they don't want to make it, like, super obvious. I mean, yeah. this this is also where the type of film that you choose is going to come into kind of, is going to become important. Because obviously, like, if it's, and this is probably the problem that I had with French films, because often the French films that you come across in the UK, they are, like, the kind of arty mm-hmm. um art house you know kind of films they're not like funny they're not like silly comedies they're not um stupid action movies they are kind of like black and white arty farty films right so yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) so like they don't kind of like they don't spell out the plot they don't make it really obvious there aren't like big obvious gags um and actually uh now that i live in france i actually realized that most of the films on tv are these really like stupid films um (laughs) Uh, you know, like every two weeks there is, oh, it's one of my partner's favorite films. He's French and it's Les Soudoués. Uh-huh. And it's an old film with Daniel Auteuil, who's a really famous French actor. And it's basically a film about these high school students who are like in the, the remedial class because they're really stupid and they can't, um, they, they keep failing their baccalauréat, which is the exam you take in France when you're 18. So like um, they're in this kind of remedial school, and the teachers are trying to help them, like, finally pass the baccalauréat. Mm-hmm. And um, they just kind of end up cheating their way through it. And it's just a really silly film about, like, them cheating on the final exam. Yeah. yeah. And then, But, like, he, whenever it's on TV, my boyfriend's like, oh, we've got to watch this. And it's like, you've seen it ten times. Right. And you, you know all the jokes. Um, but, yeah, what's, what's actually on French TV is mostly, like, really silly comedies. Whereas yes. in the UK, when you go in, like, go to the cinema and see a French film, it's going to be some really arty drama where everyone dies or, you know, like it's well, something they, really... They have sex first, then they die if it's, yeah. a, if it's a French film. Yeah, whereas in the... Well, in the silly films, they have sex too, but right. like um, it's usually ugly men having sex with really attractive women. Yeah, but... yeah which is a hilarious uh, concept in French cinema. <laughs> ugly guys and their films are just all about how they managed to pull these gorgeous women like it's it's yeah Total it's fantasy. <laughs> yeah totally but anyway um so yeah so sometimes what helps is is also the the type of film that you that you pick like if it's like a david lynch film like <laughs> obviously everyone's confused like um nobody still we still don't know who killed laura palmer in twin peaks or uh, nobody understands anything anymore whereas you know if you're watching a kind of like a silly comedy um like one of my favorite films is super bad which is um it's an old it's an old film now it's from 2007 but it's just a really stupid comedy Mm. it's so silly and the plot is kind of irrelevant yes um so you know, your brain isn't going to be going like, oh, my God, what's happening now? Yeah. This is some kind of parallel dimension. Exactly. Uh, Basically, don't watch, in- <laughs> don't don't learn English with Inception. Yeah. Basically, because, I mean, you know, like, it's, there's already too much going on um, with, with all those dreams and things. I, I don't. I don't think I understood Inception when I watched it, but I after I watched it, I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was amazing. Mainly, what the hell went on? I have no idea. What, yeah, mainly the special effects and things. But um, yeah, so you've got, we've got to be a bit discerning when it comes to the type of film that we're watching. And so, yeah, keep it yeah. simple. Keep it simple, maybe. I mean, that's not to say, like, obviously, if your favourite genre is kind of a more arty drama type film, obviously, like, 
you should watch it because that's what you like watching. I mean, there's also kind of what's going to motivate you. Like if you think all action movies are dumb, like, you know, like yeah. if I see Vin Diesel on the cover of a film, I just, I just back away, you know, yeah. or um, John Senna or The Rock. Yes. But those might be the, those might be exactly the right films for learning English because they are not going to challenge you. They're not going to challenge your brain that much. So you True. can kind of just sort of focus on the, the English. If indeed you would normally watch uh, Vin Diesel or The Rock uh, doing yeah. the thing. Yeah. But some, someone complained to me about the Fast and the Furious because mm-hmm. she was like, I do not understand it. And I, I, so I watched a clip to kind of try and figure it out. And I think it was Vin Diesel really, like, he doesn't open his mouth much. Like, the man's a fighter, not a talker. So, like, yeah. he doesn't articulate clearly. So that can be a problem. Because in action films, either they're, they're, like, shouting at each other all the time or, like, they're really mumbly or... <laughs> It's right. a weird one. That's it. Most most action films, it's mainly kind of like big explosion followed by some mumbling, followed by another big explosion, followed by ten minutes of explosions, and then another yeah. bit of mumbling. And yeah, the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, good point. That might not be the the best film to to help you practice English because Vin yeah. Diesel's character in that film, he is a man who expresses himself largely through cars i mean that's that's how <laughs> you're gonna say through grunting and uh-huh. and grunting and cars but he um yeah. so yeah i mean this is this is not a man who has learned to live his life by expressing himself articulately uh, with words this is a man oh, who who's defined yeah. his life by expressing uh his his, his personality through big ex- big cars that go fast yeah and he's furious so he 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 might not be very uh you know coherent he's going to be shouting furiously and driving very loudly so it'll be difficult to follow and fast and furious 27 is coming out this year probably still fast and still still furious furious. after all these years I would have thought they would be less furious after that amount of time. They'd be like, Fast and Furious 27, less furious. Yeah, slightly less fast because we're getting old. Yeah, or no, even faster now because of the technology, but admittedly a lot less furious because we're older and we just We're just more more chill, more chill. Yeah, exactly. You know, they call it the the fast and quite calm. (laughs) Nowadays, yeah. So there's that, but I, yeah, I was going to say with you as well, who you are a comedian, obviously. And so I think you'll agree, like te- generally in, in comedies, like yeah. the dialogue is more important for one thing. It's not like grunting or shouting. It's usually like more coherent because the whole point is the jokes are in the dialogue. Right. So like, and you want people to get the gag. It's like when you get to the end of the line, it's like, that's the gag. Like, yeah, it has to be quite clearly signaled. Um, as you said, the jokes are in the dialogue and the dialogue has to be quite clearly stated. So mm-hmm. in theory, yes, uh, comedies in, maybe yeah. maybe good good to choose, yeah. If you be slightly better, but mm, But then, then again, the... but then again you're in the realm of comedy which is, you know, you know all the multi-layers of meaning and stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe what we should say then is is Perhaps our, my listeners, um, obviously, they can choose whatever they want. If the Fast and Furious is their cup of tea, then then go for it. Mm. Uh, but uh, try and find films where perhaps the dialogue is going to be, um, you know, f- delivered fairly clearly. And be wary of 
beware of the cheapo action movie uh, <laughs> franchises. Yeah, because it's mostly yeah, it's mostly shouting. Uh, actually, for for clearer dialogue, like I, I've I've kind of watched some some older Hollywood movies, um, like old ones with actors like Charlton Char- Charlton Heston. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, he like it's really theatrical. Like um, I caught a bit of the Ten Commandments, and he's like, "God has sent me down with the Ten Commandments." I don't know. Like, ten Commandments, just, eleven. Ten- I broke one. Sorry, <laughs> Ten Commandments. But it's like it, it's it's he's kind of shouting, but it's more like really clear, and you know, this is a biblical epic, so everyone is like speaking really dramatically and more slowly and. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it could be interesting to play around as well with films from different eras um, to yeah. kind of, you know. But again, it has to be your cup of tea, as it were. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. So if it's films, try playing with the subtitles, switching them on, switching them off again. Yeah. Um, have, and, have a play around. Have a play around. Watch watch a film several times and remove the subtitles on the second or third um, third time pick films that you that you know maybe already in having seen mm. them in your first language that you really liked and that you you would enjoy watching again but in english um i, I watched um star wars in french because i'm a star wars fan mm-hmm. and uh, i watched it in french loved it absolutely loved i was really paying attention and i had the subtitles on and stuff i was really paying attention to uh th- you know the lines but in french because i as a star wars fan very sad but uh, i learned lots of the lines from having seen oh. the film so many times so je was, suis votre père exactly luke luke, luke. <laughs> and dark dark vador dark vador not, not darth vader but dark vador dark vador je suis ton père <laughs> <laughs> mais non c'est pas vrai okay oh it's just like that then well, yeah. yes, but more or less with more Star Warsy. I mean, they have you know, it's it, it's not just a French actor doing Darth Vader's voice. They have they have added the sound effects because cool. I mean, whenever when you see uh, films, uh, when I see like English language films um, dubbed into French, it's usually quite funny to me, you know, to hear the the voices that they've chosen for some of those actors. Like, well, for, for example, like Robert De Niro <laughs> and Al Pacino. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Ah. Which is um, sort of a travesty in a way because, you know, you need to be able to hear what Robert De Niro sounds like and what Al Pacino sounds like and what Christopher Walken sounds like. And in French, it's all the same gruff man who speaks in the same way. It's like, that's Christopher Walken? No, tell me it isn't true. But you know what's funny about the dubbed French movies? So so some of them are really, like, well dubbed. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Some of them, like, because sometimes dubbed things, they kind of, like, they don't get the tone right, you know? Mm-hmm. They just kind of go for standard language, even though it's a gangster movie, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit incoherent. Um, but one of the, but I find that, like, um, some of the old films from the 80s are quite well dubbed with the right tone. So, for example, if you watch, like, um, Beverly Hills Cop yeah. in French, like, the guy doing the Eddie Murphy voice is really funny. Like, mm. they really kind of adapt the language and and the character to the equivalent in French. Right. Yeah. Um, and what's funny about Eddie Murphy is like, um, for the, the most famous actors, the biggest Hollywood actors, they always have the same voice, um, dubbing them. Right. 
So, like, if you, you'll watch Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop, and then <laughs> what other films has Eddie Murphy done? <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 2. No, um, <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see him in another film where he's playing a different character, right. but it's Eddie Murphy, so it's the same dubbing, like, the same actor doing the dubbing. And the other day we were watching something. Was it Hilary Duff? Oh, my God. I'm mm. <laughs> embarrassing myself now. We were watching something, and my boyfriend was like, that's the voice of Joey Potter from Dawson. <laughs> Right. So the, so the, you know, the same dubbing lady did um, Joey Potter, Katie Holmes, but then sometimes you'll also hear the same person doing a different character. It's kind of weird. Like it kind of messes you up because that that's not Joey Potter from Dawson. It's somebody else. It's um kind of it's weird. Yeah. It is pretty weird. It is it is pretty weird that I'm sure it's the same in in many other countries too that uh, the dubbing yeah. gets done. Um, Okay. All right. So I, I hope my listeners have picked up a few little tips there. Um, and, um, I think, yeah, like in, in the, in amongst my rambling about like films, but just, I think the main thing is like, don't get too hung up on like, if somebody's told me you, you must never use the subtitles. And then somebody else tells you, you must always use the subtitles. Like, you know, there's no, you know, it's not a black and white issue. You can like play around with them. And mm. I guess that's the thing, like experiment with the, the, the subtitles, use them as a tool, like you said, Yeah. And experiment with, with having them on, uh, having them off and then, um, yeah, watching, uh, the, your, your and maybe one episode of the show with the subtitles, then next time without. And yeah. Just, and see know. how it evolves. And you can even like go, go in kind of deep, go in and watch a scene and like try and write it out, try and repeat it and then go back in with the subtitles, check what you didn't get. You know, you can go in and kind of do these more intensive things as well. And you can also, yeah, like kind of zoom out as well and do something a bit more chilled depending on kind of how you're feeling. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's no kind of strict rules. And the fact that um, a lot of like, I guess, uh, apps that we have on our phones that we can use. I think Netflix does this, that, that they have um, functions where you can skip back like by 20 mm. seconds or skip forward by a few seconds. So it could be that you can just sort of like, as you said, watch a film without the subtitle, or sorry, watch a scene without the subtitles mm. and then, uh, and just pause and test yourself and then yeah. sort of see how, what, you know, what did I get? And then skip back easily, flick the subtitles on, especially if you're using Netflix on your phone, it's really easy to do that just with a couple of clicks and Ooh. then, and then put the subtitles back on and go, ah, 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 yep, 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 yep. Oh, I didn't realize that. Or yep, yep. Oh, that's new. <laughs> right. That's yeah. New. That's an awesome tip. I didn't know you could do that. I do that all the time with podcasts, but I mean, you, you, you don't necessarily have, um, you know, cause like I'm doing something like brushing my teeth and listening to the podcast, then I'm not like paying attention. Mm. Um, but that's really good if you can do that in Netflix. Yay. Technology. Woo. Yeah. Technology is, it's, it is amazing. And especially when it helps us to, to learn uh, our languages a little mm. bit better. That's great. Um, you, I think that you first got in touch with me after you listened to my episode about British comedy. I did an episode, um, I think, earlier this year, all about uh, learning mm. English from from British comedy shows. Um, I think that's when you got in touch with got in touch with me. It would have been, yeah. The timing sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, favorite, quickly favorite um, British comedy show or shows? Red Dwarf, hands oh, yeah. down. Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. Yes, Megged. Yeah, smeg it, smeg, he. And that's a good example. So when I was watching Red Dwarf when I was like nine years old, like mm. I didn't know what they were talking about. Like the rude words, I didn't know what they meant. Mm. And it's probably a good thing for a nine-year-old girl not to know what, what a, they were. What a smeg, what, a, what, what smeg means. Yeah, oh, oh. Red Dwarf, quick summary of Red Dwarf then, please. 
It is about uh, a guy called Lister, who is played by an actor called Craig Charles. And he, this is in the future, and he's working on this like massive ship called called Red Dwarf. And something happens and like all the crew die, but he was in some kind of, was he in a coma or he was cryogenically frozen? Stasis. He was in stasis. Stasis. Yeah. And he's basically the only survivor mm-hmm. um, apart from Crichton, the robot, um, the cat who is half human, half cat, I guess. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> Lister um, goes into stasis because he commits some petty crime. Ah, is that why he does he's it? put okay. into stasis for a period of time. While he's in there, the whole crew dies somehow. And, then, yeah, and he's stuck in stasis for like 70 million years or something. <laughs> and it, so it's even further into the future. Yeah, after. yeah, yeah. It's like really, he's in stasis for really ages. And when he comes out, it's like millions and millions of years later. Red Dwarf is still flying around the galaxy. But mm. like, like all the crew are dead. But the cat yeah. who was just a normal cat has evolved into a into a, uh, a that got, oh my god i should have gone on imdb just before <laughs> just to double because i haven't watched it for years but and then he's really annoying like he had a roommate who he found really annoying who's this very like anally retentive guy yeah. um who is called oh bugger what's he Rimmer. called Rimmer. Rimmer, Arnold, 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 Rimmer. And um, yeah, so Rimmer is a hologram now. So That's right, because the, comp- the ship has a computer, a supercomputer called Holly, Holly. Who's, gone, who's gone sort of senile. So what used to be the, the most intelligent computer in the universe after <laughs> 70 million years alone on the spaceship has gone a bit mad. But the computer decides that, that uh, to keep dave lister company and to keep him sane he needs to bring back he can bring back one member of the crew as a hologram and he chooses De- um uh arnold rimmer uh, because which is just the <laughs> he's the most annoying person and and the person but wasn't that... wasn't the rationale sorry to mm. because in fact arnold rimmer was the person that lister had exchanged the most words with like right. in terms of pure conversation <laughs> He was just the person that he'd spoken to the most because they shared a room. Whereas yeah. Lister's girlfriend or object love interest, Christine Kachansky, the Scottish <laughs> <laughs> lady who he, you know, he fancied or he was going out with, you yeah. know, he just hadn't spoken to her as much as Rimmer. Right. So that's I think that's why Holly brought back Rimmer as a hologram. Right, right. But he just happened to be the person that Lister really hated the most. And so yeah. <laughs> Basically, then, the, the, so the TV series picks up uh, from this point where Lister is stuck uh, in in space on this massive ship with a hologram of the most annoying person in the world, uh, a, a guy who's evolved from a cat, um, uh, a robot who's designed to clean up and do the dishes, and a, <laughs> a, a, a mentally ill computer. Mm. And um, it's actually surprisingly hilarious. And they, they managed to spin the whole thing out for about eight series. Oh yeah, easily. Like it went on for forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's some pretty good classic um, comedy. Yeah. I mean, there's so, there's so many you could mention, but around the same time, like I would watch that, and then I'd be watching also Monty Python's Flying Circus because they used to they used to repeat that in the '90s mm. when Red Dwarf was on. They had they had that out, and um, oh, there's so many good. 
there's just too many like like literally we are just overflowing with talent like comedic talent amazing writing just you know it must be something to do with living on a small island with horizontal rain like it really it people spend a lot of time inside <laughs> they have time to think up jokes like i think so you know. i think when you don't have sunshine um yeah. and uh, that kind of thing and well, i don't know really great food although yeah. that's debatable um, it means that, yeah, you end up spending a lot of time just sitting around like, <laughs> thinking of stupid ideas and jokes and things. Yeah. So, um, no, Red Red Dwarf is, it's it's so funny. Even if you don't like sci-fi stuff, like I'm not particularly attached to, actually, we've just finished watching the first season of The Orville, which is kind of a Star Wars, not Star Wars, Star Trek throwback. The with The Orville. Um, the Orville, yeah, it's with Seth MacFarlane. So, you know, the guy who created Family Guy. Yeah. And he's, like, starring in it live. And, and I mean, it's literally based on particular episodes or the Star Trek films. Yeah. Um, but it's, but like, done with humor. It's kind of a mixture of, like, humor and seriousness. Um, and, yeah, even if you don't like sci-fi, it's still funny. And something I've noticed from watching that is the um the alien characters they speak with very formal english and they tend to enunciate more clearly mm. they'll be like indeed captain and then like the human character will make some kind of joke but the alien character will be speaking like a book kind of thing right so it's interesting to just notice how like they're probably easier to understand than the humans in sci-fi programs right so it's it's kind of making fun of science fiction programs from the 1960s like star trek yeah no but i think it's i think it's kind of a homage right like, i think he obviously likes those kind of shows um but yeah there's probably a little bit of poking fun because star trek is a bit earnest isn't it it's a bit yeah earnest and naive but we love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting that in the 1960s, when you had a very frightening alien character, like mm. the kind of an alien captain of a, uh, a spaceship, and they mm. talked to the crew of the Star Trek Enterprise, they, they would often speak in that very slow, formal kind you of will. voice. You will. You will obey the, yeah. you know, the, whatever they were called, the uh, Goblognalian... <laughs> race and the people of planet earth will be our slaves um yes. weird that why did we assume that aliens would speak in a slow and formal register is it because of the universal translator does the universal translator kind of miss the subtleties of subtleties the subtleties <laughs> <laughs> just forgetting how to speak english does it kind of miss the subtleties of like alien humor or maybe it's untranslatable so it just kind of translates to the most default standard um I don't know. Maybe, I, what on in Star Trek they had the universal translator yeah, it was so like, like Google it, Translate for Star Trek <laughs> Yeah. So maybe the aliens are actually like, you know, they're dropping some jokes in there, but we just don't know it because the universal translator pulls out something more standardized. I see. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe the aliens <laughs> are like, all right, fam, we're like totally going to invade you. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like uh, invasion imminent in three, two, yeah. one, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Cara, but uh, it's fun to speculate on. It's pure speculation, Luke. I I cannot confirm nor deny, but I'd like to think that would be a flaw in any future Universal Translator is that it wouldn't be able to really pick up on kind of alien culture. And it's, it's you know, why do they have to be humorless um, warmongers? Like, why can't they just be a bit... 
funny. And yeah, like some of the characters in uh, Thor Ragnarok. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, no. One of the later Marvel movies. There, it's it's full of humour, which is good. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of those Marvel films sometimes can be a little bit serious, a bit po-faced. But yeah. uh, Thor Ragnarok is uh, very funny indeed. Okay, surprising. I recommend it. I don't know if you normally would watch the Marvel films. I really don't understand all these superhero and comic book adaptations. Like, I really don't get it. No. Um, <laughs> so well, I it, might try... be worth, it might be worth giving it a, a, a miss, but... Um, if it's funny, then maybe it's directed. I'll... It's directed by the guy who directed the Flight of the Concords TV show. Oh, I like they're they're funny. They're great. So yeah. you know, I I would say probably oh, of, of yeah. all the superhero films, then um, one... Thor Ragnarok would probably be the one that's you know up your street. Oh, it's just gone up massively in my estimation. Okay, because it's kind of awkward because um. Just around the corner from me, I, I have a I kind of rent a desk in a co-working space. And really, it's for people who are like comic book artists or designers or mm. web designers, things like this. So like they're obviously all really into comic books. And like, you know, if if I like dare say anything like against Batman, then there's one of the guys in the co-working space. I mean, he just he takes it really, really personally, like. Yeah. You're not allowed to insult Batman, but we all know that Batman is the crappest superhero because he's not a superhero. He's just a rich dude who with, likes to dress up in, you know, in leather. With little <laughs> ears, tiny little ears on his costume. Yeah. Uh, like, I, a bat, I just, like you're dressing up as a bat. It's not fancy dress. I thought the film with Michael Keaton was okay, like the film from back in the day. Yeah, me too. The, the, um, um, who, who directed that again? He's the guy who did uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and The Nightmare Before Christmas, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Ah, well, that's probably why it was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. really liked the Tim Burton Batman films. I thought they were really good fun. And they, mm. they didn't take themselves too seriously. While yeah, that's it. It's like, yeah. They were dark, but they, were dark, but they, they also made fun of themselves a bit. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. so that one was okay but yeah just the whole thing of like oh, just it's just so it's just a bit childish isn't it it's just like a rich guy dressing up yeah you know he hasn't actually got any superpowers apart from like loads of money yeah um <laughs> what's what's your superpower about my superpower is grief <laughs> just just grief oh yeah with the whole yeah grief and money yeah that yeah okay <sighs> Anyway, we'll just, we'll change. Yeah. So anyway, I can't, and actually just above my desk, there's a huge Batman figurine. Oh, really? <laughs> just, yeah. I just try not to look at it. it well, it's usually out of like, I, uh, you know, out of my kind of sight, but yeah. it, it is above me. Giant Batman. Um, I don't know if there's anything you can do about that. Maybe you can <laughs> sort of knock it down. Oops. By, oh, Batman <laughs> fell over. Sorry. It wasn't me. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right. Well, so. Good. So where, where can people find, I mean, I've, we've, we've been through the website already, but just remind my listeners, where can they find out more um, of your work? Um, okay, so there's the website um, with the hyphen, leo-listening.com. Just type Leo Listening into Google and you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've got a Facebook page and it's the same thing. It's Leo Listening. And I'm on Twitter as well with Leo Listening and I'm also on Pinterest. If you like looking at pretty pictures, you can go on to, you can find me on there. So I'll just type in Leo Listening. In fact, for all the social media, you just type it in like, 
normally without a hyphen um, yeah. and it'll come up okay. YouTube as well because um, I do more and more videos these days um, yeah okay cool all right well it's been nice to talk to you and um, I think that's uh, we've got time I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside now and uh, pick up the baby from crash Oh, uh, that involved, better remember that. Yeah, that one. Rather important <laughs> to remember that one. Um, but I also going to have to brave the the wet weather that Paris is not famous for. It's my, my what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to spread the word about how much it rains here. So just to balance out the the cliches that people mm. have about England, I don't know if it's working. Don't know if. Oh, just cares. keep keep chipping away at it until. Until yeah. people get it, just you know, bring up, get some graphs of like average annual rainfall. A good, can't argue with a graph, can you? you? Can't argue with data, big data. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, talking of data, it does rain more in Paris per year than it does in London. I think I've seen that somewhere. That needs to go viral yeah. on the internet, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I don't know if I can find the data now. Paris, London, rainfall. Okay, come on, let's do this. Let's take a deep dive into uh, meteorological data. The real stats on who gets the most rain. Okay, here we go. This is from, the, uh, I don't know if this is a, uh, a, a reliable source, for dbain.org. Works for me. Weather comparison between London and Paris. There may be... Good reasons to prefer Paris over London, but weather is not one of them. Here is a comparison yes! between here's a comparison between London and Paris weather data taken from two different sources. Count them two, <laughs> two different weather sources uh, of information. Uh, source one: thirty-year averages from the MetOffice.gov.uk, and source two: ClimateTemp.info. An end to the weather debate. It rains just as much in Paris as it does in London. Average monthly rainfall between 1961 and 1990, um, 48.8, I guess that's centimetres in London, and 54.2 in Paris. Oh. Wet days in a year. Apparently there are slightly, there are 110 wet days in the year in London and 113 wet days in the year in paris mm. so there we go um uh, well that's put that one to rest for conclusive forever. conclusive proof if uh if anyone needed it which they didn't uh that uh it's slightly wetter in paris than it is in london <laughs> in your face france get paul to talk about that one on the telly Get, yeah, I will. Maybe I should recommend that to him. I've got a new idea for a TV show for you, Paul. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> it should. That would make a good segment, and that would stop them all from, you know, stop them all. <laughs> Just stop them all. Yeah, we need to stop French people bad mouthing our weather. Yeah, saying cliched things about rainfall yeah. when the average annual rainfall is actually, you know, more. Ever so happens. slightly more. It's, you know, like two, one or two percent higher. We need to change the world on this one. This is, we need a radical overhaul of people's attitudes towards the weather in London and Paris. And that's just going to make everything all right. And then I can, then finally I can rest. Uh, your, your work, your purpose. You will have fulfilled your purpose in life. That's right. It's all culminating 
that this this one thing that needs to be done. <laughs> he finally told the truth about yeah. the average annual rainfall. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Paris versus London. Okay. Okay. Well, glad well, on that bombshell. I think it's probably time <laughs> to uh, to end the this uh, this conversation. It's been very nice to talk to you, Cara. Same here. And uh, I hope you have a yeah. I hope you have a nice day uh, over there in in nicer and a nicer part of France, weather wise. Yeah, yeah, definitely not raining. So yeah. always positive. Okay. All right. Well. Um, good. Have a nice afternoon. And, Thanks. Uh, you too. Take care. Bye. 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 So there you go. That was Cara Leopold from Scotland originally, then England, now living in France. And what I would like to do now is just give you a summary of the main points that were made during that conversation about using TV and films for learning English, both with and without subtitles. So let's wrap up, let's sum up and recap the main points, okay? So the first thing is, basically, there are no hard and fast rules about using subtitles. It's not black and white. It's not you must always use them or you must never use them. There are no hard and fast rules about it. Um, using subtitles, putting these subtitles on in English, can help you to understand what you're hearing, especially when you realise that spoken English and written English can be very different. The English that you're hearing might sound really quite different to that English if it was written down. So sticking the subtitles on can help to bridge the gap between those two versions of English. Subtitles can help to bridge the gap between how words and sentences sound and how they are written. And this can be very important for you if you're not really aware of the difference between those two things. Bringing those two worlds, spoken English and written English, closer together can make the world of difference for many of you who, especially if you're not that familiar with English as a spoken language, you know, it can just help to bring those things together. You know, it allows you to kind of realise, oh, that's what they're saying, for example. That's how that, or even that's how that is pronounced. But often the best way to, to, to really highlight that is to start without the subtitles and just expose yourself to the spoken version of the language. And then when you listen again, you can put the subtitles on and then you can start to realise, ah, that's what that was for example. Um, Be aware that only watching with the subtitles, so if you only ever watch your TV with subtitles in English, uh, that might not help you to develop real listening skills because you're basically just reading while you watch. So watching with subtitles all the time, essentially what you're doing there is you're practicing your reading skills. Um, And that would be potentially to the detriment of your listening skills. So experiment with switching the subtitles on and off, or maybe even watching several times, sometimes with the subtitles and sometimes without. Mix it up, switch it up, uh, experiment with different combinations. You can watch a film or TV show several times, especially if you enjoy it or you already know it. Some films improve with multiple viewings. So try watching certain films several times, perhaps first with subtitles in your language, then subtitles in English, and then finally with no subtitles at all. Or the other way around, you could start with no subtitles, just focus on listening, see how much you understand, then second time round, put the subtitles on and see how much you get, and then the third time, back to no subtitles again. 
You can alternate between watching episodes of your TV show with and without subtitles. So if you watch, you know, if you've got lots of episodes of a show, one episode with subtitles, the next episode without. You might find that, first of all, they may repeat similar things in each episode, but also as you get to know the characters, it can help to start to learn the ways in which they speak and things like that, and switching on and off the subtitles um, with each episode can help with that process. Using TV and films for learning English is not just a, it's, it's not a simple or easy way to learn. In your first language, you might just switch on a film or TV show and then just kind of veg out while watching it without really concentrating. This is normal in the first language we use TV and films to just relax. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is a relaxing, laid-back and passive way to learn English because this might not work in English. So you may need to be prepared to focus and perhaps be more active while watching if you want to use TV and films to learn English. It's not just sit back, relax. It, it might be necessary to stick the, you know, stick the, the show on or whatever and focus and, and perhaps apply yourself a bit more than you normally would in that scenario. You don't have to just focus on the entire episode or the entire film. You can break it down to individual scenes and you can watch several scenes several times with and without the subtitles. In fact, with movies, often there are certain key scenes with big uh, moments of dialogue, maybe a speech by one of the characters. You can use that speech. You can break it down. You can try and repeat what the person is saying, try and shadow it so that you say it with the same emphasis on the same words, the same kind of uh, dramatic delivery. You can practice using different types of delivery. Um, you can find the script for that particular scene. Uh, you can turn the subtitles into a script by copying them. And you can really work on a particular scene again and again as if you were an actor. Um, and that can, you know, be a good way of, of using the TV show. Instead of trying to do the entire show, just pick a, a specific scene which, got, which has got like really good dialogue and just focus on that on its own. You could test yourself on what you heard. So you can watch a scene and see how much you understand without subtitles and then put the subtitles on and see how much you understood. You could test yourself. When you are watching a show and certain new bits of vocabulary come up, you can search for them. Not absolutely everything. It's not Pokemon. You don't have to catch them all. But certain little bits that you think might be you know, uh, worth checking out, then yeah, do stop and check them out and, uh, and then keep going. Don't worry too much about certain specific cultural details. It might be worth checking a couple of things if you think they're important to the plot or something. But otherwise, you might have to just let certain things slide. You're not necessarily going to understand everything. You'll need to tolerate a certain amount of the ambiguity, especially on the cultural details. You could try transcribing certain scenes of your favourite film or TV show or something. Try getting the pen and paper out or the computer and try to transcribe a few minutes especially if you thought that it contained really cool dialogue. If there was a part of the, uh, the show that you thought was just really cool, um, you could try and transcribe it word for word. Then watch again with the subtitles and check your transcription. You could then you know, turn that into speaking practice too, as I mentioned earlier. Before you watch a film or TV show, it's worth checking online reviews or summaries to help prepare yourself. If you know a an outline of the plot in advance without getting all the spoilers. If you know an outline of the plot 
in advance, that can help you to understand the whole thing. Because sometimes when you're watching in another language, it can be hard to understand the, the plot. So if you get a general overview first, that can just give you enough support to allow you to then um, at least enjoy it uh, and, and perhaps focus on the language a little bit more. Be a bit selective in your choice. If you're choosing a TV show or a, or a, um, a film that you're going to watch and maybe learn English from, be a bit selective. You may need to pick stuff. Well, obviously, you should pick things that you would normally enjoy. But also, remember that TV and films can contain very kind of naturalistic dialogue, meaning very mumbly dialogue, or even just some grunting sounds during fight scenes and action scenes and stuff. Try to pick films that are pretty simple and maybe comedies that focus on the dialogue rather than very naturalistic mystery films that are hard to follow. And finally, don't worry too much if you don't understand 100% of everything. Even in our first languages, we don't always understand what's going on in films. So don't beat yourself up too much if you're not able to understand absolutely everything. So there you go. That was some advice for using TV shows and films for learning English. The main thing is you've got to try and enjoy what you're doing. Try as much as you can to enjoy watching things in English. Um, and hopefully the rest of it will just sort of come naturally um, as long as the motivation is there to keep going. All right, then, that's it for this episode. I'll speak to you again on the podcast very soon with announcements of new things happening and new services for you and all that kind of thing. Visit the website, uh, teacherluke.co.uk, where you can find notes for this episode. And uh, you can join the mailing list where you get an email every time I upload something onto the website. Download the Luke's English Podcast app where you'll find every single episode of the podcast plus some bonus material and some app-only episodes and uh, Luke's English Podcast premium content coming soon uh, to you. By the way, there's five minutes of bonus audio for this episode, just a five-minute outtake uh, from the conversation with Cara. And uh, that is only to be found in the LEP app. It's the bonus audio for this episode. So if you're listening to the episode and you see the little gift box item, tap that. That's how you access the five minutes of bonus audio. Okay, all right, good. Speak to you again soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.